Yo, welcome back to the Spark. This is episode six. It's Colin and Tone. Say what's up, Tony. What's up, guys? Welcome back. Wait to get pre-podcast laughter out right there. He's over here dying laughing for some reason. Um, the we're gonna pick up where we left off. He, he had the um, the breaking the ice moment where it was New Year's Eve. Um, he just started going to therapy. They, you didn't believe in therapy, right? No. And um, the, for people that might just be tuning in this episode, what happened was, super quick, Tony's active law enforcement um, officer. He was involved in a, in a shooting um, where he received some life-threatening injuries. Um he went to the hospital. We talked about that in previous ones. He came home. Um, he healed physically. He had to go to physical rehab. He was working out a little bit. He was isolated. He started to isolate himself. Um, what else? Started to... drinking. He was, you know... Yeah, there was just stuff. There was like little... At the time, he didn't realize that he was... In the throes of PTSD, he didn't identify until where we're at right now. He started to realize that everything wasn't okay. And um, what we're going to talk about you know, now is so... We are on the porch, by the way, and there's a little bit of a thunderstorm. So if you hear it, you're, it's like being here. Yeah, <laughs> just like being here alive. So... With us. You started seeing a therapist... Um, you had the break in the ice moment where all the emotions of the past year and a half came out. Um, you were counting down the days until you see the next, until you saw her again. So you had this, like, outburst. You didn't sleep for three days. You were, there was, you know. Emotions. Emotion. Angry, upset. Yeah, you were going to the gym, hitting the bag, and all kind of stuff. So now that is done, and the, you count down days, and now it's your next therapy session after the breaking point what how did that go i think we touched on that briefly the first one um it was just basically a complete emotional wreck at that point i uh i remember got in and it was just tears and crying the whole time and then i'd be angry during it and like i said before when i'd go to her the first couple she didn't analyze me or anything like that and it was kind of the same way this way she just let me say what I had to say at the time and a lot of it was anger and sadness mixed into one so that was basically most of that one was just um, like I said explaining why I was angry because of the incident I was in um, all the emotions built up over the last year and a half plus at this point and her kind of at the end <clears throat> explaining it to me a little bit of what was happening and I think we touched on that last week a little bit that's when she started explaining that I went almost a year and a half pretty much without any feelings of emotions. Um, like, you know how we laugh and we smile and we get angry or sad, which on the surface I was laughing or smiling, but I wasn't feeling any of this. And she explained to me how that happens is that emotionally you just shut down and you're just constantly, your mind's working to block out. The trauma, like the from the point of trauma on, you were just basically shut down. Yes. And she was able to explain that at that session. So now you start getting into therapy. 
how how you know what transpires from there. So now you you're kind of realizing there's an issue. You're um under, you're you're, you're kind of internalizing like there is something wrong. Like you've acknowledged it by now, right? Yes, not quite sure. You didn't know how in depth it was, but you have acknowledged that there's you're not. Feeling. I'm not sure I acknowledged the depth of it until way later when I started coming back out and, in a sense, healing. At but you had point. to... You At had this to, point, I knew something was wrong. That's what I'm saying. You had to know. I mean, you didn't sleep for days, right? Yeah, and I was still going to her, and this went on for a little while, and maybe it was just pride or... So you're still denying that there was something wrong? I was denying that I had PTSD. Why do you think that you did that? I, I would go back to say it's just... Like we always talk about, there's a stigma to it, and in my mindset was, <clears throat> that's not going to happen to me. I'm not going to, I'm not going to suffer from anything. So, what did you think was wrong then? I didn't know at that point. Still, I had no clue. I knew something. I just kept saying something's off. So, like, take the PTSD word out of it. Post-traumatic stress disorder. Take that out of it. Without that word, without that label, what did you like? You couldn't have thought that this is, like, regular. You had to assume that... No, I knew something was wrong. Like, that didn't scare... Like, how does that make you... Like, you're not worried about that? Initially, I just... I did not know. Um, Again, I didn't know anything about PTSD. I didn't even believe in PTSD on top of the fact that I didn't even believe in mental health. When's the first time she said to you that she think... Or did she ever say... That she thinks she had PTSD. Probably about a couple sessions in, three or four. I mean, it was pretty quick. She said, "Look, it's this is what it is. It's what you you have." And she started explaining why it's PTSD, and then there's different mental health and um, terminology they use for traumatic experiences based on how long you wait to go get any help and things like that. And mine was way past the time frame of that. PTSD. So a couple sessions in, she's telling you that you have PTSD and you're still denying it? Yes. And I, and I think there was probably a part of me that in my head would say, it's definitely what you have. Yeah. But to say it out loud at the time was just not something that my ego or my pride was not going to let me do. So you think it was like a ego... It's the ego thing. It's the, the labeling of it that people like to do. It's the thoughts of what you think PTSD is and it's not but what you hear on TV what you see in movies what what I guess society labels it as when it's, it's not at all like that so because you you weren't very knowledgeable about post-traumatic stress you were worried about like the negative connotations that come with being labeled having it's yes. so like the labels the issue. Yes. So yep. you think that like PTSD is like a like a maybe they should find like a softer way like I, I don't know I don't know it's the word it's the lack of knowledge and understanding of it. But I think it's like out there. like uh, you know when you go see a doctor and they tell you, you you know you have some sort of diagnosis physically. I think that you would do this. I could be wrong, but I think that you would deny that. Like, if you went in there to the doctor and they said you have uh, whatever, 
yeah, and if you bladder would, cancer. You'd be like, oh, you know, I want a second opinion. Uh, and I think that that goes with anything because it, it, it's all, it, it's not something you want, one. Two, you, most things you do see is what you've seen on TV, which is most times not accurately depicted. Depicted. Um, and you can go down the line if it's, it's just you don't want to accept something like that, especially once you start looking into what what we would say PTSD is and you're like, well that's not me, that's not me and then you're like, you know, I've seen shows that, you know, they, they said it was PTSD, this guy went out and killed people well my theory my mind at that point is like, I don't want to kill anybody, Yeah, um, I haven't killed anybody um, the incident but, and in my mind that was like, well that's not me, I, I don't want to kill anybody, and I actually said that at one point way before this when it was with the uh Lady friend, I said, I don't want to kill anybody. I don't want to go out and hurt anybody. I don't have PTSD. And that's depicted on TV, different TV shows that I've watched. And uh, that was about my knowledge I knew at that point. So you thought with that label, so with the stigma then of PTSD, you thought that it manifested itself in like acting out aggressively or hurting somebody or stuff like that so when they said you had PTSD you're like oh, I'm not yeah crazy yeah I mean, I mean that's, that's ultimately that's what it is yeah I mean yeah. we're dancing around it yeah it's, but it's, you didn't want somebody to tell you're fucking crazy, crazy. yeah so and, and, and at the time that's what I thought of it as and that's the way it's you're like I'm not fucking it. I'm not crazy no like, and right there like that's a good example like we're dancing around like we don't want to say it like yeah, like, I, I don't know why I just didn't want to say it right there. Like, I... Right, because the stigma behind saying crazy, but it, it's not... You're not crazy if you have PTSD by any means, yeah. but that's the way people think of it. I I saw it sometimes later on looking back, and I was like, these people probably think I'm nuts. Because of some of the aggression I had later on, we'll talk about it at work or something like that, I, some of the anger did come out, but... I wasn't crazy. It's it's all those emotions being locked up, and they have to. We've talked about it. They have to come out. So when do they come out? And how not do they always, come out? Yeah, not always the best time or location, but it comes out. But it's you're not crazy or nuts or anything like that. But that's the way I looked at it. It's like, well, I'm not crazy. So that's why you're trying to not accept that that label, mm-hmm. if label's even the right word. But she is diagnosing that diagnosis. Okay, so now, you know, you're in, you're in therapy, um, you're throwing shit. Uh, it's the wind. You're in Storm. therapy. And, like, how, now what do you do? So, you're there, like, we've identified there's a problem, we had a break in the ice moment, she said that you had PTSD, you're still on the fence with that, accepting that she's saying that. So, like, how, what does therapy look like to somebody that has never... Yeah, I mean, going to therapy, truthfully, a lot of it is you talking to somebody, and, and, yeah, they write down a lot of stuff, I'm guessing. I never saw the notes, nor did I ever, I mean, ask the notes, but a lot of times she would just say, oh, I'm just taking some notes. A lot of it is you talking the whole time, and just, unless you ask a question, most times, like, she wouldn't say anything. She would just go, let you go. And at the end, she would say, you know, maybe summarize everything we talked about and explain why I'm not sleeping or why am I having the flashbacks or why am I so angry on this day? Why is this? And we were 
she would start to ruin out like, hey, do you think maybe it's this? She wouldn't even force me to a specific response. Mm-hmm. So she might be like, hey, what do you think maybe it's this or that? And I'd be like, I don't know. She'd be like, well, what do you think? And it was a lot of it you figuring it out and her guiding you, as I said before. So she'd give me option A or B, and I'd say, I think it's more like B, and she'd be like, well, why? And I'd explain it. So again, looking back now as we talk about it, it's more like she's giving you more reasons to talk about a specific uh, topic or specific incident to force you to get it out of your head. So there was not, not, most times she didn't tell me to do anything. There was no homework, if you will. There was nothing after uh, therapy. Uh, a lot of it was me going and taking what she said randomly. She, and I just pick up on it and I'd go, I'm going to try that. Now there was times she'd give me different techniques to get what I'd be having basically what we'd say I, my anxiety would get real high. She'd give me tricks on how to pull it out of my head things like that, but most of it was me just picking up on stuff she said and then researching. Like, I, at a certain point, I was like, I don't know how this happened to me. Yeah, so then you, like, started researching everything. Researching, listening to books. That became a huge thing for me, but to me it was, how did I go from, you know, way up here to down here, sitting in my house alone, drinking with nobody, and shutting off the world, when that's the total opposite of who I am. Yeah. And it was more I needed to understand this. And until I understood it, and that's probably why it took months too, because until I truly started to understand what, one, happened to me, and two, what PTSD and mental health and trauma truly is, yeah, I, it was hard to understand how, why did I go there? How did I get in that dark hole? So you, I noticed you mentioned flashbacks. Now I would assume anybody <coughs> that would have a traumatic experience fl- I would assume that flashbacks is a part of that. In my experience, it was. And in most I've talked to. The people that I've talked to that reached out, they uh, bring up flashbacks too. So talk a little bit about flashbacks. And And here's the thing with flashbacks. You think flashback. Oh, hey, I can see the day of the shooting. That's kind of it. Like, that's not how it worked. I mean, anybody who's had a flashback after a traumatic experience realizes it's you're there mentally, like you are there again. Whatever emotions you had that day, you're gonna have again. If you you were scared, you're gonna have that emotion. If you're angry, you're gonna have that emotion. So in theory, you're back there mentally, going through it all over again. And I so would, it's not like a daydream? No. This is, to you and your brain, your brain is there again. So you're gonna get all the responses and the reactions you got that day. And that became a norm for me. All day. I mean, it didn't matter where I was, what I was doing. His face would show up somewhere. Or I'd, uh, I guess you could someone say it was zoning out. It's almost like zoning out and you're just zoning out into that, into that incident. So I'll use a couple examples. I remember being at work once. It was an afternoon shift and I was running around at the time. And... I could not get him out of my head. Like, he was there. He was right in front of me again, looking at me, and almost taunting me at this point, because I had a few sessions right before this that she was saying that, giving me some advice on this, but I'll, I'll stick to the, uh, the flashback, and he'd be right there. And I could not get his face out of my head. The guy that shot you. Yeah, so of course, then with that, 
I'm getting angry because I'm like, why are you here? I'm, I'm literally saying, why are you here? What are you doing? Like, yeah. What is going on? And of course, this we're talking over month periods of time. But you're fully awake. Uh, just fully awake. Off. I'm there, though. Mentally, I'm back there, and he's looking at me. And then one really good example was I was at the gym, and this is the first time I actually saw it in person, what happens. So at the gym, there's cameras, obviously. And uh, I'm doing my workout, and next thing I know, it's like I'm there again. I'm in the fight with him again. And now, at this point, I'm, I'm talking to myself, telling him, I'm like, get the fuck away from me. Leave me alone. Like, you're no longer alive. We shot you that day. And then it would actually be him laughing and saying, I'm back. I'm back. And it's just me yelling at him. So... I'm still trying to lift. I'm in a gym full of people, and uh, I just can't get him out of my head. He won't go away, and he's just laughing and taunting me. I actually go outside. I'm walking around yelling outside. I come back in. I sit down on the, the bench and kind of just put my hands in. Now, in between this, I'm doing sets of weights, but I can't get him out of my head. I'm just furious. When I say mad, it's like, Yelling like, get the fuck away from me. Leave me alone. So the one person comes up, taps me on the shoulder, and I was like, kind of snapped, I guess, out of it. And I'm like, what's up? And that person's like, what are you doing? I'm like, nothing, lifting weights. And she happens, she's like, well, come over here and look at this video because I, I don't know what you were doing. Well, you can actually see me on video, like, there was one set, I did like 55 reps as we watched it, and usually I do like 20 to 25 on that. And then you see me walk around, you can actually see my hands moving around like I'm talking to somebody, and it was, uh, it was, I mean to say the least, like it was spooky to see like, this is all going on, and I had no clue I was in the gym, I wasn't even paying attention to the gym, nobody around, this is a packed full gym. And here I am, mentally I'm back at the scene with him. <clears throat> So what, I mean, that has to be terrifying. <clears throat> yeah, because at that, in that incident, I have anger mixed in. I have, you know, fear. Yeah. I, I, you know, he points the gun at me at that one point. I don't have any rounds left. Um, weakness. Again, all these emotions all at once coming on. And it's not like, oh, I feel weak. No, like these are the feelings all over again. Like I'm in the middle of this shooting again. But now I'm aware of the shooting. I'm aware of what's going on because I'm not, you know, I don't have the adrenaline rush. I don't have the true fight for my life at this second. Like, I'm actually in the incident again, no adrenaline. And you do have that, like, kind of the fight for your life. And that's, you have the feelings with that, but now you're feeling it because you don't have the adrenaline pushing everything away. Yeah. So, I mean, it's... How frequent would you say those were? That one was almost an hour of my life gone. But like how doing that? Like, but like how frequently did I mean? They could be multiple times a day. Now so they weren't you, always an hour. Sometimes five, ten minutes. Would I you say they happened every day? Oh yeah, for a while it was every day, and some sort. Sometimes it was the shooting. Sometimes it was at the hospital. I flashbacks to which those were the worst. I don't know if they were the worst, but they made me feel so weak because those were the ones afterwards I just felt drained because I'm like, I'm still battling back and forth with myself in my head that like you're strong. But my mind is telling me, no, you're weak. You're a weak man. You cannot do this. So I'm at the hospital. I'm getting 
the hospital, all it was was weak helplessness. I felt, and we talked about that quite, you know, a couple of, uh, episodes ago, and all those emotions are now coming out from the hospital. So, so the flashbacks happened, you didn't have any, until, like, would you say they started... After that breaking of the ice. So after the breaking of the ice is when the flashbacks started. Yeah, and I mean, they would just be, like I said, so intense, you couldn't, you almost don't even know you're doing them at the time, and you don't know how long they are. Like I said, that time at the gym was like just an hour. completely immersed, yeah. Um, the one time I sat here on my chair, and the only reason I know how long it was is because I was just starting a movie, and I saw what time it was. And next thing I know, I'm just back down there battling in my head all over again being shot shoot in a shooting a helicopter coming people everywhere rushing around you and my i think it was my phone rang and i'm just like come back out of it again and you're drained like it's emotionally draining and i looked at my you know it was two hours went by just sitting in my chair alone yeah i mean so what techniques did do you still have those to this day now, I mean, I got to see his, like, we're talking about it, so obviously now I can see his face, but there's no, no true emotion with it. There's no true anger at this point, I think. I mean, I've came so far and done so many things to not only overcome all those emotions because I've gotten them out. I mean, I've done nothing but talk and write and, and, write and do this podcast, do my social media. Like, I've done so many things to get those emotions out that... I, let me say, sometimes I look back now and I'm just like, you know, it's not, everything's not perfect, but I've accepted that, you know, everything happens for a reason. Maybe that's why I'm on this podcast now. So you think that suppressing those feelings is the, contributed to the flashbacks? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think with tra- trauma, we're, you know, pushing everything away the whole time because we don't want to relive it. That. Again, I'm not a doctor, and you're not, or a psychologist, but how can you continuously push away emotions, push away what's happening in your life, push away a traumatic experience, and not have it affect you somehow? Well, the whole time you're talking about that, if I'm being completely honest, like, I'm thinking about, like, what the fuck, like, kids have this. So, like, I can't imagine... Like a kid in like second grade that's just had a traumatic experience and it's like having these in school. Like, how do you even. I think as a young age, you learn that you're. Because they're know, for sure I, I suppressing know. it. I, I think you just continue suppressing it. I think people have their stuff happen at a young age and they go their whole life maybe never confronting what happened and then all suddenly, you know, they've lived this life and you're like. Their life. So confronting. So you think confronting. Confronting it, and just getting those emotions and those. I'll take one of those flashbacks out and all that. So you think getting it out and confronting the actual source of trauma. Yes. Helps. I think in the process of confronting the trauma, you are going to force out those emotions. You're going to force yourself to face that traumatic experience. And what if, and that, tra- from, what if that traumatic experience is your dad, though? Or your mom? I or st- your brother or sister? From my experience, again, I always say trauma is trauma. 
yeah, but you're like, have the same side effects. What I'm saying is, like, what if you're a woman and, you know, your source of trauma is your husband? Like, how do you confront that? How do you confront if you were, you know, molested or whatever when you're little? Like, <clears throat> as an eight-year-old or nine-year-old, how do you confront that? I, I think when we say confront... And if somebody is listening to this and without being too specific you have kind of lived through that or experienced some of that like I think we're I'm gen, genuinely oh, yeah. interested in how because I can't answer how you would go about that for those uh, <coughs> well no yours examples. is different but I'm just trying to think like how, how I still think in a way you still have to get the emotions out which involves facing the, the, the flashbacks and things like that because I mean my counselor who's, who's a psychologist told me at one point and this is not I don't think everybody likes to hear this but the 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 main way to beat the you know the PTSD is facing the trauma head on so maybe wait for a time where you're mature enough to do that even I, I don't know if that's the case I mean I honestly I don't know how a I can speak on my incident only, but I would assume, even as a kid, you still should go to therapy. You should, if you know yeah. your kid or a cousin or a niece or a friend's kid that went through a traumatic experience, I, I always say the first thing to do is always go to a counselor because they're going to help guide you through the journey that you're about to face. Yeah. Or you live years and years with this trauma, and I think sometimes at a young age, it gets pushed away so far, sometimes people don't remember it, because in their mind, they've made it. I mean, like, you read about kids, I mean, kids get sex trafficked at, at like, fucking five years old, and, like, you don't even know, like, I have little kids, and I couldn't even imagine, like, how they don't... The damage it does to you, I... Like, I got in an argument with my six-year-old about fucking candy corn today. Like, that's where his mind's at. I so, know. That's kids. And I don't know. And I think that we all have said before, and I've heard before, is that you, you never you never get rid of the trauma. You just have to learn a way to... Yeah, I don't think you could ever get rid of it. I mean, it's no. sort of like a scar, I would assume. It would get... Yeah. It heals, but it's always going to be there. I just don't know... So anyway, back to you. Not that I'm skipping over that shit, but it, I just, that's super I just don't want to explain that. As far as experiences, I can compare mine to the, the effects after, afterwards of the flashbacks and stuff they get through, but I don't know. So in therapy, when did you start to turn the corner with accepting that? <clears throat> well, we went through, I mean, that's jumping so far ahead because we have to go back and talk. You know, there was nights that I would sit here through the flashbacks, which then you, you want to talk about the nightmares that come with it. The so there's nightmares too. Nightmares. There's the not sleeping at all for days. And there was days I'd have. Okay, well then talk about uh, I mean, like the symptoms. Like, so the nightmares. Flashbacks, had, nightmares. The, the nightmares I would have again. The nightmares are the same. Both time it's the incident all over again. But again, you wake up. When I would wake up, it was like I was just in a shooting again. So, so my really adrenaline's there. up. There's no going back to sleep after that. So I might go to sleep, fall asleep for an hour. And next thing I know, I'm up an hour later. I'm up for the day. That's it. Now you try to take a nap in the middle of the day. You fall asleep for five minutes. You're having a nightmare. And not all these nightmares are... I think I... I don't know if I talked about it on my social media or not. But not all the, the nightmares are exactly the incident. Sometimes they'd be... 
I'd have nightmares of being in a fight at work. Well, yeah, okay, it's not the same exact thing as my shooting, but fighting's a violent act. My incident is a violent act. And that's when Deb would stop helping me through understanding my nightmares more. So, like, to me it was like, well, why am I in a fight? Why is that such a big deal? Well, now I understand that it's, it's not the fight itself, it's the violent act that took place. That's what connected to the nightmare. Or, you know, there'd be a random shooting that I was nothing similar to the one I'm in, but it's the same concept. It's the, it's the, the shooting that's associated to the... So you were having flashbacks in the day, nightmares at night. Yes. And how long do you think that... How frequent were the nightmares every night? Every night. It was... I, I'm telling you, when I say I went months with two to four hours of sleep, if that... Four hours was a good night of sleep. But it was typically, I'd say, more around two hours. If that, some nights not even two. For months. But yet, you're getting up, going to work. Yeah, you're doing your whole family, routine. You have yeah. all of this routine, and you're doing two hours of sleep. Now, there was very few people that knew at this point how that deep it was. And they would be like, how are you doing this? And I'm like, I don't know, I'm not tired. Like, I was never, I was tired, but I wasn't able to sleep. Mm. So you know how people are like, oh, I'm dragging. I wasn't dragging. I just, I couldn't sleep. It didn't matter if I wanted to sleep or not. Because my anxiety would be so high. The nightmares. I don't want to get asleep and relive the and you still day And you still didn't want to say you had PTSD during that. that. That, as they went on, I started to, I mean, if we broke it down by months, I don't know when I started accepting it. It was a couple months in. So, three, like, four. I mean, you were having them for a while before you're like. Yeah, because it was, a lot of it then was talking at therapy and talking it out and then I'd come in sometimes like hey this is what I think this is what I heard on a book I read or researching it or this and that and she'd be like yeah you're 100% right and that's when I started to understand I don't know I could let me say this I don't know if I'll ever say I understand exactly how the brain works because again not a doctor but I can understand how you start to block things out how you start to shut things off or why you do I should say I know why you do yeah and that's when I started under- learning it, learning about it. Like, so you educated yourself over it and then... And I would have her help me understand what I read. Take it to her and be like, this is what I read, this is, this is why I think this connects to me. And my answer, and she'd be like, yeah, you're right. So she helped. Again, guide me through stuff. And then along the way, she would suggest coping mechanisms for the nightmares, for the anxiety. What were those? What were some of those? Uh, for the nightmares, I would always have to... I always have a pen and paper at my bed. So, like, if I wake up, I'd immediately write it down. So, a lot of times I'd wake up morning and have bits and pieces and write, God, man, I can't even tell my therapist about this. So, she suggested writing it down at night. So, when I'd write it down, I'd wake up in the morning, read it, take it to her. She'd explain it to me, and then I'd burn it. Because now the nightmare, that nightmare's done. And this is all this stuff is in this head. Your, your little heads have all this stuff packed in it. And in that way, it was, you've had a nightmare, you've read it, and actually seen it on paper, you've talked to the therapist about it and processed it, and now I'm burning away that, that memory or that specific dream. And that worked for you? Yeah, over time. I mean, this takes <laughs> long so it's time not, afterwards. Yeah, it wasn't like a, a quick, one thing. There's no quick fixes. And that's how it became with the, the daydreams were different. They kind of... You know, hand in hand with nightmares and doing things. I wasn't. 
writing those out because I was living them. There was no yeah. not knowing. I knew what I had to do other things, such as like when my anxiety would get high. And, and so anxiety was another... Not a thing you have. And that would be, for no reason, I'd be completely sitting there, fine, and next thing I know, I have a, I'd say a million thoughts in my head. And I'm like, can't think about it at all. I'm just like getting down. And it, it's like, I said a dark hole because it's like, now I'm in the dark hole, on a whole new dark hole than I was before. And you start at the top, and next thing you know, you're, you're miles deep in this dark hole, and you can't get out. And then, that's it. You're, you're done for the day. So you're Unless, anxious, you're having flashbacks, you're having nightmares. <clears throat> you got all these thoughts sleeping. in my head. Not sleeping, can't get these thoughts out of my head. Now it's just still going. You're weak. Then you start talking yourself down, and that's when I'm. You're weak. You can't handle this. You 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 you're letting him beat you. There was times I'd say he beat you. He you're alive, but are you? You're not even living. You're not even alive. You can't even fight this off now. So if you start hitting that anxiety. That's when you start thinking about everything. And maybe there's a lot of times you can't think of all the thoughts, but you start thinking of little things that come out of those thoughts. You know, you suck at your job. You can't do this job. You, you can't do anything. You're failing your family. You're failing your friends, and you start going down that hole well, that's of anxiety. Depression too, then anxiety, depression, <clears throat> and you start rethinking things like, why is your life this way? Why are you not doing this? Why are you not there in life? Why are you at this point in life? And you just keep beating yourself down. Of course, as time went, I learned coping mechanisms to help get some of that anxiety down by getting again. It's all in my head that had to come out, and. She taught me a coping mechanism for that, too, which was actually worked phenomenal. What was that? This was, this was probably the best thing to help me continue to battle along because this stuff would happen at work and I would just stare at my computer screen or have to walk away because you, you get tears. Again, you're, you're thinking the worst thoughts ever. Yeah. So the technique was... Uh, Grab a pencil or pen, whatever's closest. Which I actually had a can of pen and pen, uh, pad of paper with me everywhere I went. Well, I sit in like my car in my house, work. And if you're left hand or right hand, you want to grab it with your opposite hand, and you're going to write with that hand. And you just start writing because in your head you see a with your opposite hand. With your opposite hand. So if I'm right-handed, I would grab it with my left hand. Yes. All right. So I would grab it with my left hand and start writing. And when you're trying to do that, one, you're taking some focus on, you're actually trying not to focus what's in your head. None of it's going to make sense. So, like, sometimes I break down dead because the word dead would come to my head. And you, let's say, you know, 10 minutes later, you have 50 different words written down. Dead, hospital, emergency room, surgery, whatever would come to my head. And I'd write it, and then you'd start to write, okay, emergency room, weak. So I'd write weak. And all these emotions are starting to come out. So, I mean, there was times, like... And, so a lot of times you hear people saying when it comes to this, you have to be vulnerable because you do. Um, as guys, we don't cry. We don't like to cry. Yeah. I don't think anybody likes to cry. But you have to accept it. Cry. Go ahead and cry during this because you're going to cry. It's, it's awful. It's an awful. You're pulling out experiences in your head you don't want to even think about. Now you're pulling them out. So I cried during it. And then sometimes they'd be angry, like out of bullets. Um, helicopter or you know his name whatever it was and then I'd get mad and I'd be pissed but you're pulling out and usually I don't know maybe 20 30 whatever it takes sometimes five minutes depends how bad it was the anxiety I would start to calm down and I would just feel myself start to like, breathe again start to breathe and I wouldn't say relax but it's like okay kind of like getting minutes, back to neutral yeah 
few minutes, I'm back to at least neutral, which at the time neutral wasn't great, but it was better than you got down at dark hole. So you, you're going down at dark hole, and now you stop and start to pull yourself out slowly, one word or one thought at a time or one emotion at a time. So writing those things down with your opposite hand <clears throat> yep. helps you. After that, I would take that with me to my therapist. We would talk about all of them in there, talk about why they made me feel this way, how was I feeling tonight, come back home, burn in the sink. Yard, whatever you want to burn, it doesn't matter. Yeah. So again, you're pulling it out of your head, you're talking about it and processing it, and now you're watching it burn away as if that emotions are gone. Mm. I mean, and over time, it, I mean, it worked. I'm here talking about it. We'd that. also like to hear from all of you any coping mechanisms that you can offer. I mean, post those, share those. We want to help. I mean, anybody that has that, that's a good one, I think. It worked for it me. It worked for you, yeah. Um, I think that a few people I've talked to through social media, I think it's helped them some. They did At least you. it seems that way. Yeah. Because, again, without any coping mechanisms, how do you do what you do? You just do what I used to do and just sit there and let it happen. And you can't get out of it. You can't. And, okay, so you do get out of it eventually because you know what you do. I get laid out of my bed and go to sleep for what, 30 minutes and wake yeah. up and you're right back at it. So maybe you're, that, what was bothering before is gone, but you still have more there waiting for you since you wake up. It's not gone. But it's, yeah. It's a whole new set. <clears throat> so in this new dark hole, after you broke the ice, you're in this new dark hole where, you know, the depression, the anxiety, the flashbacks, the nightmares, all that stuff is happening. You're going to therapy re- regularly. You're I'll starting two days a week at this point. Probably you get three to four hours a session. You're starting to pick up some. You're starting to educate yourself on this stuff, and you're starting to get some coping mechanisms and some tips from your therapist, which you are in fact implementing into your everyday life. Yes. So now, have you by this time have you accepted that you had this? Yeah, I mean. <clears throat> Again, it was uh, like I had some pretty bad thoughts that aren't the best. I mean, there was <clears throat> things that happened along the way there. You know, so many months down the road after all this stuff, and uh, you know, bad thoughts like what? I don't. I'll, I'll say this: I've never attempted to take my life, but there's definitely times I've sat there and thought, would it just be easier to? I think that's and a part of depression the, too, right? Yeah, it all falls under. I think the, that you if you, know, d- depending on the varying up. levels of depression, I feel like a lot of people think that. And I was one that always said, I don't understand how somebody could take their own life. And to me, it was a selfish thing back then, I would think. But now another new concept is like, I get it. It's not, it's not you want to, you don't want to end your life. You don't want to cause pain to your friends and family. But this non-stop pain this non-stop flashbacks the non-stop no sleep like you want that to stop and in the process you're not thinking about friends and family you're thinking I, this is never going to end and just trying uh, this to make is my it whole entire life now and like I can't live this way and I do think that a lot of times when we hear that like well, he took his life he left his family I, that's not what I I truly don't think that person did not do that to cause pain to other people. All he wanted to do was stop his own personal pain that to him, her, whoever, never thought it was going to end. And I've well, been there and that's a... I think why people say that, it's selfish and um, 
I think that, and you, you're, you're, you know, you have kids, you have wife, you have family, you have parents, you have brothers, sisters, and how can somebody do that? I think the reason people say is because they can't understand how much, like they, can't, like me for sure, can't understand what you're going through really. Like they on paper and hearing you say it, you know. But, like, to actually understand... I think this is the first time I've ever heard anybody actually articulate how they were feeling in that moment. But I don't think that someone from the outside understands how intense that shit could be. And Absolutely. Especially going days and weeks and months and not sleeping. And I just think that... Um, and, like, I couldn't imagine going through a traumatic event and then, then reliving that shit every day, several times a day, and then not even being able to get any sleep because you're doing it even when you're sleeping yep so did she did she at any point um the therapist recommend medicine or anything like that so I know that you didn't take any but did she ever recommend it not really um there was times I'd say is there something you can do to make this easier make this faster this and that and that's the topic of, she said, I could give you stuff for your anxiety to keep you a little more level, and I could give you some sleeping stuff to make you sleep. She said, but I can't give you anything to face the PTSD. Yeah. She said, honestly, she told me, she said, you need to just keep facing it and keep going and doing what you're doing with that, and you have to get it out of you. It has to get out of your head, and you have to face it. And she said, there is no medication to overcome it. She said, yeah, I can give you stuff to make, like I said, stuff easier to sleep. And there was a point that I said, okay, well, then it's not really going to fix the problem. And she said, no, it's just going to help ease the problem. I said, well, you know, I don't want to ease the problem. I want this gone because I know what my life was before this shooting. I know what kind of person I was. And I could see myself sometimes like, there you are, that's you. And here you are now. I told her, I said, uh, I I don't want to ease anything. I want to overcome this. I want to get back to as much as my normal life as I can, which, again, I understand you can't completely get everything back, but I want to be me again. And I said that, I would say that to people all the time. I just want to be me. And there was moments of... I would cry and say, like, why can't I just be me again? Like, I'm not me. And during this, you don't feel like you're... I I didn't. I knew who I was before this. I knew what I was. And now I'm this... I'm not me anymore. I know. I don't feel like myself. And I don't feel like, you know, Tony anymore at all. And that was my thing with her. And she was like, then let's just keep going until you think you can't. And I said, there's no... This is when we start talking about, there's no can't anymore you know I, yeah. I'm telling him like we're going to come up the other side she used to say it was like a bridge it's storming on one side of the bridge but the other side sunny and that's where you want to go and she would update me where she thought I was she'd be like hey the storm looks like it's you know oh, settling a little yeah, bit yeah. today and then the next week she'd be like oh storm's back so like this is back and forth so like you may have great days and then bam everything hits you all again it triggers you or whatever the case is like so it's a constant battle back and forth, but that's why I'm, a, I, again, I'm going from my personal experience. I went from, we've heard where I was to where we are. So I do believe that there's a bridge and one side's stormy and the other side's got sunlight in it. 
But she <laughs> gave me some. But on that topic, I kind of got off topic there a little bit. Yeah. Um, they are. Uh, <laughs> he did. Medicine, bro. <clears throat> she what do did you think? say, like, the melatonin and stuff to sleep. Things like I need that. Some, I just I, never. Uh, from listening to this shit, melatonin's over the counter. I don't want nothing to do with melatonin <laughs> if I'm not sleeping. I do use it sometimes still. Fuck a melatonin, melatonin dude. That's the, I didn't even use melatonin until after the fact. Now I do sometimes. I took my mom gave me melatonin one time, and I had a dream that I ate the biggest, you know, those Hostess cupcakes with the like, yeah. with like the cursive on the top of it. Mm-hmm. I had a dream that the one was as big as the house, and I just kept eating it and eating it and eating it, so I don't take melatonin anymore. But I'm tell you this, if I couldn't sleep, I think for me that would be the biggest I need medicine moment, because yeah. not sleeping. Dude, you've had newborns. I know. Like, that it's shit fun. is not... But now uh, it's a whole new stress level of, like, oh, I don't need to sleep. I need to sleep. Oh, I'm sleeping. I mean, I know that I need to sleep, but yeah. I'm not tired. Because the stress and anxiety <clears throat> is so high. I will say I did try melatonin during all this, and I actually stopped after... I'd say I was on the other side at this point, but not completely... At all, nightmares were still coming here and there. Were you still drinking during this hard? No, I didn't. I... That was one of the pleasures I made with my cousins. Like, I'm doing this. Like, there's no anus or butts. We're going through the other side. No alcohol. No nothing. So she you're just going in raw dog. She didn't believe me. She, she didn't like, believe you. Nope. And I kept it. I still have a bottle in my house that's, I don't know, probably about a fourth left. That I stood there just to point, prove, like, I don't need that. No. I don't need that to beat something or beat my, whatever you want to say, me versus me. Mental... Battle, like, so it's there to remind me, like, I didn't need you to overcome any of this. Oh, we're running out of time, but I, I, I think that it's super important that you had this conversation. And out of all of our podcasts we've done, um, I think that this was a super important one because it kind of pulls the curtain back on what people are gonna like the actual day-to-day life of somebody that's dealing with trauma. And I think that every time somebody like yourself talks about it, it, it three other people feel comfortable talking about it, and that's ultimately what we're trying to do. And Great. shit is... Shit's heavy, dude. It's yeah. super... Fu- it's heavy. Like, it's, it's so like, oh, man. People going through it are going to understand... Yeah, it's just so fucking heavy. Like. I've had this conversation with people, different people, that you don't want somebody to understand it completely because if they understand it completely, it means they went through it. If you are at least open to trying to listen to the person, that's the best you can get. Like you, like you sit here and listen to this, you've listened to it for how, how long now? Yeah. People are open to listen to it and try to educate themselves on it. Yeah, I do a lot more now, yeah. To say you understand what it's like to have the nightmares the anxiety the suicidal thoughts the you can't and that's good because that means you've never had to face a traumatic experience yeah which we don't want somebody to no if I don't want to you know what I mean so the biggest the biggest thing is that for people to try to understand it and not jump to conclusions that he's nuts or he's crazy no no we're not we just went through a traumatic experience that others have not gone through yeah. Oh, what's that? I like the one thing I saw. Just it says PTSD is 
earned, not given. Yeah, it's shit's definitely it earned. I don't by doing stuff that others, in my field, and, and veterans, more or less, for that one, which we're doing things that people aren't out there doing. Well, after this podcast uh, ends, I'm going to reach out to our girl, Brandy, and get her on here, hopefully, next week or the week after, to talk about a little bit the different. other, yeah, different angle. Um, she's a first responder, but not a police officer, obviously. So we want to hear from them, and then we have some other people coming on. I'm curious, and I think that in future podcasts, I just want to know, I'm curious about coping, and like... Give you a bunch of coping. And I think that we should, you know, maybe even dedicate a whole podcast there, or several podcasts there, or that could be a recurring thing, but identifying it, talking about it, breaking the stigma is huge, and that's what we're doing, but I think like... Again, as like an outside person, like I, I just, I like want to fix it. Yeah, Fixing isn't the right I word, but like say. I'm trying to fucking, I'm looking at people like a creep, like, hey, you all right? And people are like, what's this dude? But like, I want to. Yeah, yeah, no, I get what you're saying. You, you want to help get back to the mental health community. Because I'm trying, just I just it. don't want anybody to go through that. And like, I'm worried about kids and I'm worried about. Like, uh, it's just so much. And then if you, social media is the, the, the fucking worst because you get on there and it's just horrible story after horrible story after horrible story. And I'm like, how can I do it? And I guess we're doing our part by doing this. Yeah, I mean, I probably like me, sometimes I question, like, is, is this helping at all? Is I hope it is, somebody? yeah. Please let us know if it's and helping. It, it does. It makes me think about it. It's like, well... Am I making a difference at all in the mental I, health world? Yeah, you are, for sure. Because like I said... I don't know anybody in my personal life that is as open to talk about their traumatic experiences as, as you are. People have talked to me about it in, in my personal life, not internet people, like yeah. people that I know every day. They've, they've talked about it, but not to the depths that you do. And they're not as comfortable, and hopefully they will be. Yeah. But I've talked to people outside of social media, and it, it always seems like people go so far and then they pull back that's what I'm saying they're not like going they're not balls deep like you are just doing yeah I mean tell them all how else do you how else do you make a difference how else do you break the stigma without you gotta break the fucking stigma dude cause it's end of the day it's still a stigma this is something people walk around and talk about every day and I gotta see if that shit's trademark we should make wristbands break the stigma wristbands something along those lines to remind everybody like we gotta do I'll look into it so, that being said, um, I'm going to shout some people out that have been active and sharing our stuff and reaching out to us. We do it every week. But Nicolette Blanca, I hope I said that right. If I didn't, don't be mad, Blanca. Danny, with an I. Mary, Rebecca, Doug, and always Lori. Thank you so much, Lori. I see everything you do. We really, really appreciate it. And uh, don't forget to use the T20 badge code on Redcon1 to get your discounts for supplements. What else do you have? T-shirts. T-shirts, clothes. I like them because they have three X shit. No. Uh, yeah, supplements are great. Though, even though I'm so. a thin two ninety nine right now. I use them. I love the supplements. <laughs> Blue Line Coffee has me driving a little bit faster than I want to admit in front of a police officer right now. Uh, reps for Vets. Please check their stuff out. And as always, Iron Will Podcast. You'll be on there soon, right? Yep. Like October? Yep. I 
double check the I feel like it's next week. Is it next week? I have to double check it. I have it in my calendar, so. Are you ready for that shit, dude? I assume so. What are you going to wear? Are you going to get an arm pump in before you go? <laughs> Concentration? I'm going to take some of my Red Con 1 products before I go. Are you going to do calves before you go, dude? <laughs> Should. All right. Well, thank you all. Um, we'll be back on Sunday. Please reach out to us um, if you – with coping because I'll share them. I don't give a shit. Like anybody post some shit, I'm sharing it to regular people um, that maybe they might not be – they might be like Tony and not be denying the fact that they had or are going through something. Um, we're going to share it. And like I don't have all the copings. I don't. I just have what I have. So the more people share with us, the more we can hopefully promote them and see – what works obviously everything's different for each person but well you do like uh <clears throat> jiu-jitsu and stuff now do you think that helps yeah that's another i'm a huge proponent that physical health is direct with mental health oh, mind and body dude yep um we're gonna get a jiu-jitsu dude on here too shout out him um he's one of the smartest people we know he got he got a bunch of stuff. He knows about ayahuasca too, which I know you don't want to talk about, but and I keep bringing it up. But I've watched my ayahuasca documentaries, and as should all of you. And <clears throat> I mean, they're doing crazy stuff with psilocybin and, and mushrooms and all this kind of stuff to help people with trauma. I it's, mean, I've read something about there. It was the hallucin hallucinogenics, yeah, yeah. That it helps you go relive the experience over and the easier way of doing it you yeah redo it kind of like your flashback stuff but you're reliving through it and in a way that helps you live it again and get it out of you mental out of your mental part but you're doing it with assistance so it's not as yeah they're dramatic. doing it like clinically it's not like me and a fucking no but i'm saying that way it helps you get through that process helps you process it and get it out of your head mentally but yeah I, I, dude the stuff that I'm seeing, it's looking like it's working, you know, and it's, I think there's negative connotations on that kind of stuff the same way there's negative connotations on PTSD, because if you think of mushrooms, yeah. and you think of stuff like that, you think of me in college, looking good, taking mushrooms to, you know, do regular party and stuff, so, um, we're going to look into all that. Because I think that that's important. And people that take uh, SSRIs, is that what they're called? Like mood stabilizers, Abilify, stuff like that for anxiety and depression. Yeah. Um, you know, if that kind of stuff helps you, let us know too. I'm interested in that. I hear horror stories about that. And then I hear the opposite of horror stories. It works for people. So reach out. Tony's going to do a better job this week of uh, interacting online. This week he was... Mm-hmm. Busy. He's been busy. <laughs> work sometimes. Yeah, he's still working. Yeah, and I'm selling my house, so that's brutal too. But uh, we'll check in with you next week, and um, you know, find your spark. And we'll talk about that later too. You know, we ha- we got away from the spark because it's been, you know, breaking the ice. The, the, yeah, we had to get to the but, point of how we found the spark. But we'll get to, uh, you know, when he found the spark and. And that's what we're all trying to do at this point. We're just trying to find the reason to get... If you haven't started yet, I mean, what better time than now after listening to this podcast? I mean, got to start somewhere. Yeah. Um, that's it, I think, right? That's it. Still, there's no Steelers this week. That's ridiculous. COVID-19. Your boy Cam Newton's out. COVID. 
which is insane. Your fantasy team. All right, we'll see you guys later. We'll see you on Sunday. Bye-bye.